Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma session. Topic of tonight's talk is failure. It's a word we're all afraid of, right? Afraid of being a failure? You ever felt like a failure in general? We place our hopes and our dreams on success, as do other people place their hopes and dreams on our success, our parents. Sometimes there some times some people have intense pressure put on them by their parents to succeed. And if they don't they're made to feel like a failure. Sometimes uh, society puts pressures on us to succeed our neighbors our friends so maybe everyone else is succeeding and boasting or proud of their achievements and we feel like a failure because we've achieved nothing it's a mental illness of sorts this uh, need to succeed and this attachment to failure or feeling like a failure because of course in Buddhism there's not really such a thing as failure or maybe more we're all we're always failing we fail until we succeed It's not a question of whether you're succeeding or failing. We're failing. We're failing to see the truth. And we'll just keep failing and failing and failing from life after from life to life. Lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Until finally we see the truth. That's that's all there is to it. So when we bring these attitudes into meditation um, well, they cause us great stress and, and the meditators often feel like they're a failure and are, are very worried about failing the course, right? You come and take a course here, well you think of it like any other course and it's like a pass or fail thing But reality is not like that. First of all, we have eternity. We're, we're not going to, you know, it's not like 
you wasted your life and that's it but more importantly it's not not really so much about what you accomplish and what you become it's just about seeing the truth So we're really looking at um, what it is that keeps us from seeing the truth. What is it that causes us to fail to see what's, what's really right in front of us? And so the, it's a it's a good opportunity for us to talk about some of the things that get in the way of our practice, right? I mean, what I want to impress upon you is that no one's going to fail the course. In fact, it's a great success even just to stay here and to to do terribly at the course, in a sense, because you're learning about how incompetent you are. We're learning about how incompetent we are, how unable we are to see the truth. A meditator might think they they finished the course and be discouraged that they they maybe didn't get the results they were hoping for, or maybe they leave early and are discouraged by the fact that they couldn't finish the course, and that's wrong thinking. Because the, every moment that you're mindful and every insight you gain through being mindful is a success it's one step closer to to the goal and so rather than talking about what makes you fail the course because that doesn't happen or what you need to succeed when we talk about the sorts of things that you're going to have to overcome Whether it's in this course or, or next course or if you come back later it's only a matter of time and a matter of uh, ability you know you have to build up the skills of being mindful and energetic and concentrated and so on but what gets in the way well the Buddha talked about five, uh, eight things that get in the way of, of us seeing clearly and these are actually quite practical I mean this isn't such a deep teaching although it gets quite deep near the end I think this is a really good list See, because it goes from the practical to the uh, to the deep, sublime teaching. So the first one, these are eight things that that lead us to fail, lead us to continue to fail, and even to lose our way. And so the first one is kamaramata. Aramata means to means uh, joy or um, 
getting caught up in or getting intoxicated by enjoyment of kamma is work so getting obsessed with or caught up in work so the the Buddha was actually thinking of for monks here if monks go around working all the time there's this story of this monk in uh, in the Dhammapada I think who uh, in the morning he would sweep, in the afternoon he would sweep, and in the evening he would sweep. And the monks looked at them and said, Wow, there's a real dedicated monk, always sweeping. In the morning you see him sweeping, in the afternoon you see him sweeping. And today you see these monks. I saw monks who would sweep, 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 work, work, work. So they went to the Buddha, or the Buddha came to them and said, What are you talking about? Oh, I'll talk about that monk. And the Buddha said, look, if a person sweeps, they're called a janitor. So it's maybe not such an interesting story, but from a monastic point of view, it's kind of funny because there is a lot of praise given to monks who, who sweep. It's a monk who keeps the monastery clean, and it's a monk who is energetic, and so on and so on. Well, the Buddha didn't have such high praise for janitors. Here in the meditation center, everyone we've asked everyone to spend a little time doing something every day. Please keep that up. But if it's already clean, you don't have to go around cleaning it, you know. You clean what needs to be clean, but some people get caught up. But I mean, the point is, especially during a meditation course, it's possible for you to try to find any excuse not to meditate. You know, right? you know how this goes. The mind is averse to something and then it finds ways to avoid it. And it becomes an obsession, finding ways to avoid the problem. Until finally you catch yourself and are mindful and break through. And of course for those of you living in the world, it's important to understand. Working 80 hours a day, 80 hours a week is probably not going to be supportive of meditation practice. Or seeing things clearly Don't get caught up in work Take time Number two, basaramata Getting caught up or intoxicated Delighting in speech Some people like to talk a lot Monks the monks would just sit around and talk and chat and gossip. Even talking about the Dhamma, you know. I've been to these Dhamma groups where everyone's just talking. Talking, talking about the Dhamma. The conferences are the most fun. There's a conference this month and, well, we'll see, but I've been to some Buddhist con conferences in my time and I mean, not to be overly critical, and it's not not good to talk bad about things and people. But I will say that uh, it's a lot of talk. Sometimes we're very good at talking about Buddhism. Sometimes it's much easier to talk about it than to practice. I mean, in the meditation center, of course, it means 
don't sit around chatting with each other. I've always said the ideal meditator doesn't know the names of the other meditators. And sometimes I forget the meditators' names, but I'm supposed to know them. And for all of the meditators, I mean, sometimes a meditator will come to me and they know not only their name, but where they're from. You know, the other meditators, they know where the other meditators are from and a fair chunk of their life story. And you got to wonder how that is when not supposed to be talking with each other. So during the course it's um, well it's important because you know chatting working chatting it's hard to be mindful. Your mind gets caught up in in uh, other things. If you work a lot you get tired. If you talk a lot you get distracted. Number three, nidaramata, delighting in sleep. So the meditators are learning this as we tell them not to sleep more than six hours or four hours, try not to sleep too much. And you realize how attached we are to sleep. And this attachment to sleep gets in the way of our practice. I was talking about that this morning, how remarking on how uh, how more focused you are when you sleep less it's not easy you know it's much more comfortable to sleep a lot but it uh, the, during the time when you're asleep you're certainly not mindful and just the attachment to it the pleasure because it resets the timer it resets the the state you know having to deal with all these challenging States and then suddenly you you relax and you free yourself from the need to actually deal with them. So it prevents you from really and truly letting go. Number four, sanganika ramata, which means company. It's related to speech, but this is just delighting in in company. So here's one, people talking about meditating in groups and how much more powerful it is to to meditate in groups. I mean, really what they mean is it's much easier because you're more concerned about the people around you and you have a a consciousness of them, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just it becomes a crutch. And... I mean, that's a mild example. M much worse, of course, is when meditators sit around and talk. Or in the world, you know, when you spend all your time socializing. Nowadays, we do it all on the internet. How many hours a day we spend on Facebook? And I don't, I'm not really all that keen on Facebook, but it becomes a, an addiction. This. Uh, Social networking It gets in the way of our practice I remember uh, When I was I tell this story often about this This I was at this meditation center I was asked to teach for a short time And uh, When I got there all the foreign meditators Would do their meditation but in between meditation they had a schedule where they'd all join together and sit around chatting and laughing and joking. It was like a, a, a party or something. 
And it was because they had they, they were told they were supposed to do this many hours a day, but they weren't told anything else. And so they had to do ten hours of practice a day or something. And that was all that was of concern. So when they came to me, I said to them, okay, today I want you to practice 18 hours a day. Because you sleep six hours, that's fine. But the other 18 hours, they're mine. You're mine. So I said, when you wake up, I want you to say, lying, lying. When you want to sit up, wanting to sit. When you sit, raising, raising. And... And throughout the day, be mindful of all your activities. And I said, I don't care how much formal meditation you do. But you have to be mindful throughout the day when you walk, walking, walking. And and like within a day, the this sitting around chatting was, was over. Right? This isn't some kind of work that you do and then you get off work and you can go back to your life. This is our life. This is about living mindfully. It has nothing to do with how many hours a day you do How many hours a day you're walking or sitting You can walk and sit for hours and get nothing out of it You can become enlightened in three steps if you're really mindful So anyway um, Certainly benefited I think from giving up that Social Life. Number five, Indriyesu Aguta Dwarata, not guarding your senses. So we fail to see the truth because we're caught up in experience. Experience is here, but instead of experiencing it, we react to it. You see something and you get caught up in liking or disliking it. You hear something and same thing, maybe it's a good sound, bad sound. My sound, your sound, this sound, that sound, right sound, wrong sound. Smell, taste, feeling. Too hot, too cold, too hard, too soft. And it can become an obsession, right? Even thinking is the sixth one, right? Thinking it can become obsessed with thoughts right at the time sitting around for hours thinking about things and it gets in your way these are not these are not things that we have to be afraid of that are going to cause us to fail these are things that keep us failing every moment i mean these are the things that we have to remove if not now then later to learn to guard the senses and By guard doesn't mean to hide them away But it means to be mindful at the senses and That's what we're doing here, right? But remind ourselves That's where that's the object of meditation is the senses Whenever the senses arise Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking Be mindful of it Six, bojane amatanyutta Not knowing moderation in food And by, by extension anything else we 
we uh, we um, we take in could be uh, an uh, information things we read things we watch things we listen to but especially food I mean what else is it that we do every day that we need every day food water is not such a big deal it's hard to get attached to drinking water though some people do it's very easy to get attached to food eating too much eating too little we've had meditators who wanted to just drink juice and or eat just eat fruit doesn't work out so well you need to eat enough but um, it's quite common to eat a lot and it's a good lesson for those living in the world when we get um, when you realize how obsessed we are with food not just three meals a day I mean here at the meditation center we have one, two meals a day but um out in the world it's sometimes not just three it's three plus snacks how many times do you snack during the day some people it's a lot of snacking maybe not even to get full but just to enjoy the taste the meditators here realize this you know you have the cravings yet for this food or that food if I start talking about delicious foods and it makes your mouth water I think the food here is okay, but we don't we don't eat enough to satiate our our obsessions, our desires, and as a result, we're able to learn to let go of them. If you always get what you want, you just spoil your mind, you corrupt your mind, because it'll never be enough. It'll just be more and more addicted. Number seven is Sangsagaramata. Sangsagaramata. Sangsaga is like contact or association. And I'm not quite sure what it means, but it means delighting in delighting in experiences, I think. That's what I would put it as. Wanting to experience certain things. So in med for meditators. This can be wishing to experience blissful states. Sometimes you'll see bright colors or images, wanting to see them. Some people, maybe it's wanting magical powers, flying through the air, levitating, seeing things with your eyes closed. Leaving your body, this kind of thing. Get attached to experiences. You know, in an ordinary sense, it's getting attached to being things or being places, going places, going here, going there. And through deep meditation, what... Uh, our advanced meditators here who have been doing this for many days now starting to realize is that experiences experience is diverse but in the end it's still just experience there really isn't anywhere you can go up on a mountain under the sea 
and that will free you from suffering that will or that will give you an experience that is satisfying controllable predictable stable worth clinging to basically nothing is worth clinging to that's what you start to see and so this idea of hey maybe I'll go to Niagara Falls those of you who are from far away that you've been thinking oh boy Niagara Falls it's only about 45 minutes away from here <laughs> yeah that's Sangsagaramata desire for experiences it's difficult being this close to Niagara Falls must be a big one number 8 Papancharamata Papancha delighting in Papancha delighting in diversification or yeah it's not a really good translation for Papancha Papancha means making more out of something than it is this word is incredibly important. I mean, this is a word that we talk about in English. We don't usually name the word. Making more out of things than they actually are is really the whole of the problem. Without papancha, there is no suffering. There is no. There is no problem. Right, because problem is papancha. Things aren't problems. This snake in front of you is not a problem. But when you see it as a problem, and you get afraid of the snake or the spider or the pain in your body, right? Pain is just pain until we decide or until we um, think of it as a problem, as more than that. So delighting in this, or not delighting in it, but getting obsessed with it, everything. Food, we don't just eat, we enjoy. Right? We use the word enjoy as I enjoyed my I enjoyed my food. Um, Everything we see and hear and smell and taste and feel and think, all of our experiences, we we extrapolate. We make more of them than they actually are. In the world, we delight in it. We delight in daydreaming. We delight in uh, ambition. Right? You have some money. You want to make more out of it. Make more money. Maybe you invest it. Maybe you stay up late at night thinking of ways to make more money or just ways to survive no that's different see ways to survive is actually proper right but that's the that's the point is that surviving is not making more out of things than they are it's seeing things as they are yes i need money or whatever to survive but when you start to think, hey, how could I make more money and so on and so on. This I think you could call in a worldly sense papancha. But from the point of view of the practice it means everything. Making more out of things than they are. 
you're cold, but you don't like the cold and it's bad and it's a problem. Well, there you go. Making more out of it than it actually is. You hear a noise and it frightens you. Why does it frighten you? Because you think it's a ghost or you think it's a monster or a wild animal. This is papancha. You hear a sound and you think it's beautiful and lovely and you want to go and find and capture whatever bird is making that noise. This is papancha, making more of it than it is. And you know, all you've seen through the course all the ways that this happens. The mind makes more of things than they actually are. And that's the problem. Once you once you solve that and start seeing things just as they are, which is of course what the practice is for, when you say to yourself, pain, pain, you're changing the way you look at the pain to see that surprisingly it's just pain. It's nothing more, nothing less. When you do that, then you stop failing. Then you start succeeding. But it's not something anyone should ever feel desperate about, like I'm failing, like I'm a failure. We usually say that because of our experiences, right? I'm experiencing a certain thing in my practice and that's a sign of failure. And there you go, that's papancha. Making more of things than they actually are. This sense of failure, that's, that's the problem. Our experiences are not the problem. Once we can see them for what they are, then we succeed, because then we stop clinging. There's nothing to cling to if, if seeing is just seeing and so on. And when you get there, watch out. That is, that is the highest. That is where the mind becomes free. And one realizes true peace, true happiness, that which is of true benefit and value. So there you go. There's some some talk about failure, how we should all feel encouraged. Every moment that we're meditating, every moment that we're mindful. In that moment we're not failing to see the truth. In that moment we are succeeding. There's the Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in, coming out. Have a good night.